Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup. You're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Paul on from Eightfold. And we're going to be talking all about Eightfold. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, come on, we've done a podcast before, uh, a topical podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you should go back and listen to because it's really good. Uh, but without any further ado, uh, let's do introductions. Come on, would you do me a favor and the audience a favor and introduce both yourself and introduce Eightfold? Sure. Thanks for uh, having me, William. Always good to talk to you. So I'm Kamal Alawalia. I'm the president here at Eightfold AI, and here what we've done is actually built the first single AI platform for all talent, for employees, for candidates, for contractors, and for citizens. And the goal is to help everyone on one side, on the individual side, get the best career of their choice. And on the enterprise side, make it easy for them to hire, retain, and grow a diverse workforce. So that's what we are solving for, and uh, we had tremendous uh, success and growth with our clients and partners over the last couple of years. And uh, I think you may have uh, heard about our uh, last round of funding as well a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So well capitalized now. Well capitalized, and, and congratulations. Uh, raising money, no matter what people tell you, it's never easy. Um, but I'm glad that you know you're well capitalized. So because you've had a wonderful vision. Uh, for what y'all want to achieve and, you know, just having money in the bank and being able to actually execute on that vision. Uh, it just helps. I mean, you know, absolutely sh- shocking money helps, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> helps you uh, realize that, realize that goal. Let's, uh, you know, let's kind of parse uh, some of these things uh, apart for just a second. When, when, when your customers first, you know, well, I guess they would be prospects at first, when they first approach you, what are the problems that they're trying to solve initially? Because, you know, I mean, I know that it can do a lot of things. Eightfold can do a lot of things and help people in a lot of different ways. But what what have you seen just recently where people are saying, okay, we have this problem? Uh, great question. <clears throat> and I think that uh, initial interest has changed over the last three years. Right. Three years ago, I think we were in being invited to a lot of CRM uh, discussions, projects, evaluations. And then slowly people realized that CRM on its own is not going to solve anything. So, and by the way, that was also indicative of both the HR tech stack, the HR market, as well as the HR organization. Mm-hmm. That too many bits and pieces and silos and not connected to each other and took too much effort and all the burden was on the HR teams to make sense of all of it. Right. So originally it was that, and then we started to actually really do well on the employee side and provide better and better solution. So now it is that notion of a single AI platform for all talent is resonating. So now the problem is this, it's actually three. Number one is last year with COVID, most companies genuinely started to invest a lot more and looking to invest a lot more in their employees. And most of them realized that they have no idea what their current employees are capable of doing. Right. 
And for CEOs who were willing and eager to write big checks and invest, it was basically no idea. Then all this talk about digital transformation and how industries and companies are changing their business model and transforming, the talent began to surface that, okay, fine, I can make those changes, but where are the people who can sustain those changes, right? So that led to the reskilling, upskilling that... Uh, do I have the people who can turn this into a subscription business? Like all of us who use Amazon used it even more during COVID, right? right. I mean, it was like became every, every day, sometimes a couple of times a day, Amazon would be delivering things to our homes. So if you, but you'd never talk to anyone at Amazon, right? That's the digital experience. Right. And if more companies want to have that kind of experience, then Where's the talent that will give you that kind of digital experience for all your clients? What level of automation is needed? What kind of system? So that kind of thinking brought this thing to front that, okay, clearly I need to better understand uh, what are my employees capable of doing and who can learn what. Right. Clearly there's a gap in where they are, where we are trying to go and what we are trying to do so far, but who can learn those new things? It's interesting because you serve, you know, you serve the organization. And so that starts with the board, the C-suite, and then you get down into the, the HR and uh, TA generally, not all the time, but generally is a part of the HR budget. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're having conversations with TA, they care about certain things, obviously, yep. right? The attraction of talent all the way to yep. onboarding. And then you talk to HR and they care about that, of course, but they care about the, that all the way to outplacement. So they yep. care, and maybe even you know, for some, they care about the alumni experience as well, which is a little bit different. How have you found? Um, you know, I've been I've been selling and marketing into HR and talking to HR and TA for 20, 20 plus years. So they are different people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Venus and Mars. Got it. But how have y'all found just kind of interacting with TA and, and solving kind of the things that they care about, right? And then talking to HR and solving for the things that they care about. So great question. <clears throat> and I think what you're basically surfacing is the essence of people buy from people. Right. Right. The more you understand the personalities and who would do a certain kind of role, right. uh, it becomes a little easier to act, both have the empathy and right. for them to also build trust with you. That's right. I think the thing for uh, talent acquisition is it is really a sales and marketing job. Right. Because every single person and your website, every single thing is all about showcasing the company and a particular job rec that you're trying to fill. And the challenge part, which a lot of, as I talked to you know, a lot of my friends in HR now, TA, a lot of clients, but half of that job is what's called soul wrenching, <laughs> right? You're chasing down people in Are you scheduling interviews? And, scheduling exactly. interviews isn't value added? What? Exactly, <laughs> right? And in the evenings and in the weekends. <laughs> so that's not fun. No, no. Right? No. So if that part was automated, no one would complain. Right. And if those hours and, were in, and possibly just to add to that, it's it's also a better experience. We haven't said that, but it's also a better experience for the candidate. Exactly. Right. Right. So those things, as we got into bringing AI into it, that hey, a lot of these things we can actually automate. Right. And there was actually zero 
objection handle. It was more about, okay, really? Can Sounds you do great. it? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> How fast? Who else has done it? Can you actually quantify it for us? So literally we have across the board, we are improving uh, recruiter productivity by 30, 40, 50, 60%. Right. Right. So that's tremendous. Time. It just gives them their time back to do the things that are more value added. Uh, exactly. They're carrying 30 racks, 40 racks or whatever. Yep. When you're carrying that many racks and you've got to go back and forth with people on, uh, on scheduling an interview, you just, you can't, you can't, it's, it's almost impossible to manage the candidate flow and, yep. uh, and also to be able to put those candidates in front of hiring managers. So the, the automation, the different types of automation and the way that you look at those things, first of all, you all have been vastly successful at just really helping kind of streamlining, making that efficient. What's been different when you move over into HR? So let's just say onboarding and forward. What's, what are, what are the auto, where's, cause there's automation everywhere, uh, inefficiency everywhere, I should say. What's been the conversation or how has that been similar or different to TA conversations that y'all have? Great. So there the challenge is slightly different. Right. What we are bringing to the table is self-service career pathing. Yes. And any That's organization us. that has 5, 10, 20,000 employees, there is no way the HR business partner knows everything about every job and every opportunity inside the company. No. Right? And how someone can get there. Secondly, just the psychology of the individual is some are overconfident as we were discussing on the last podcast, mm -hmm. right? Reckless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I can do anything. But most of us actually need that guidance and coaching and confidence that, yeah, you can get there. These are the steps. Here are some others who have gone down the same steps and actually gone there and been successful. And also now lining that up with the new uh, reality of remote work. Right. Right. That you can do more you have more opportunities and more options than ever before, uh, including uh, international assignments, right? And we'll get past COVID and travel also pick up. But right. there are way more opportunities today than uh, before COVID. Yeah. So the thing here is, there's a lot of money invested in learning and development systems, but ROI, adoption, outcomes are all nebulous. That's right. Right. Because so, it's still based on usage. Uh, yep. or in content. So you got to have both those systems have to be filled with stuff that people care about that are, you find useful because uh, an LMS is great historically on compliance. So like yep. if you need a bunch of compliance stuff, like they, they actually the ROI on that's pretty simple to build out, but it's true learning and uh, you got to have content in there. That's, that's, that's great. And then you got to, I would say incentivize using yep. probably better terminology people to then use it and give them the time to go and do those things. But an LMS just by itself doesn't solve the problem. Exactly. And that's where we come in because we are bringing in the jobs and the mm. career paths and the goals. Nice. Because once the inspiration is in place and it is personalized for every single person. Well, right? fundamentally, the, it's fundamentally yeah. what's, what's great. I'm to, I apologize for interrupting. What's, yeah. what's fundamentally you've shifted when I love is it's who manages, who's who's in charge of your career. And then, yep. you know, we can go back as long as we need to, right? Was the company manager career? Do you manage your career? Is it partially owned by both? 
And one of the things I love that's brilliant about what you've, what y'all have done is you've basically said, listen, as, as an individual, you have a hand in this, you have a greater hand in this than you think you just need some tools and resources to be successful. Yep. So I love that. I mean, I just love that because you're giving, and I also think generationally, uh, both my sons are Gen Z, they're used to stuff being around them. Yep. Like they're used to building playlists. They're used to building, the, you know, the internet serves them. Yep. And so this kind of makes sense uh, also from some generationally, but I would, you know, I wouldn't leave it just at the doorsteps of generations because everyone needs to reskill and upskill and think about, you know, how to make themselves better. So I, I love this. Take us a little bit more into the self-service part. Yeah. What we did was last year invested a lot in mm. essentially what we call career hub mm. that, and it starts with the individual that because the number one thing is unlike some of the other solutions, our recommendation to every individual is you shouldn't leave the company and you should put it as a last resort because there are probably more opportunities inside the company 100%. for everyone to try and grow and go in different directions than outside, right? You, they've just not been made available to you. That's right. So let's solve that first and then uh, make the exit interview the last thing. Have so you, have your yeah, customers on the career uh, hub side, have they talked to you about the the blend of personal and professional? Yes. So, you know, right. So someone wants to learn, you know, Python. Yep. That That's one thing. Someone wants to learn drone racing, which is probably a personal pursuit or something that they care about uh, as a hobby. Do they, are they looking at the whole individual yep. and from that pers perspective? Absolutely. Hmm. And because to some extent, we all are spending so much time at work with right. colleagues, right. Even, even in a virtual environment, that that right. is necessary. Right. Look, the office softball team is as important as the next hackathon and 100%. the next customer. 100%. And, and I, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I'm having now about retention. Yeah. Like I'm, it's, I've been accustomed over the last couple of years in a candidate-driven market to talk to people about attraction, right? Especially the emphasis becomes more on DEI and all kinds of great stuff there, right? Yep. Traction, attraction, attraction. Hey, you find town, find town, find town. But now I find myself in more conversations about, hey, yeah, we got, we got to find the talent. Check. Uh, yeah, still hard. Got it. All those things. But how are we going to keep the talent? What are we going to do like programmatically, philosophically? You know, what are we going to do? So one of the things I love about what you are doing is, you're helping people understand themselves so that they can do the things that they need to do if it's experiences or skills, et cetera, to then, to then help them get to the next job, which helps with retention. I mean, it helps with engagement technically, but it also helps with the end goal of retaining that talent. Exactly. So we actually then went through every single thing that would be compelling, hmm. right? Your full-time career opportunities, hmm. the, the talent marketplace, which is for the side gigs that are available at work, right? right? For you cool. to build a new scales. Then mentors, people who would inspire you, people that you look up to. How can you actually, within with context, get some time with someone that actually may unlock the next set of productivity for you? And referrals, how to actually find people with certain skills. 
how to get to work on a project with someone who's considered an absolute expert in the market and in your company in a certain area. Then the biggest thing that we realized was, as we talked to our customers and got going, their challenge was they wanted to do all that, but then the profiles in HRIS were static. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were sort of static yep. with the data the day the employee came in. Yeah. Or the last time you changed the HRIS system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birthday, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So we changed that. That, okay, uh, we will offer self-updating profiles. Because it's not just when you're learning something or doing something different that you need to update. Everything that you're doing every day is relevant to your profile. Right? So uh, we are now integrating with the flow of work. If using Salesforce for CRM, we integrate with that so that sales and marketing people, because a lot of their daily work is sitting in there. Right. So that's feeding that. Engineering teams are typically checking in code with Jira or GitHub and other things. So integrate with that. Integration with Slack, Microsoft Teams, the collaboration tools that are being used today. So all these things where we are all spending all the time, that should actually be updating your profile. That's right. And that allows the system to make recommendations that are tailored to what you have now set up capable of doing next. Oh, cool. So it's again, I, using Amazon's model, you, you, if you it, like this book, you might yep. like this book as well. I love that. Exactly. Oh. And everything, then you start bringing in the content, hmm. learning content, uh, right. experiential learning, opportunities, yep. short time, full time. Yep. All these things are available to you. And you can actually decide that, hey, don't keep bugging me with these things. Right, right, right. right? So your preference. It'll it'll silent, mute, schedule things. Exactly. Have have your customers pushed you yet into kind of alumni, like post the relationship that we have with with folks post their time with us? Yeah. Boomerangs are are a good thing. Yeah. And uh, the other part is, if you look at the, this as a continuum, mm. like sometimes our paths will diverge, but then right. there's no need to burn bridges. That's right. Uh, That's right. Most good companies are now interested in building the alumni network. In fact, this concept of talent network mm-hmm. is now resonating more and more. That what's right. in my ecosystem, who do I know? And with our AI system, of course, we are able to actually give you a massively big talent network of current profiles and all of that. So that is resonating big time. So the, if you were to, I mean, y'all are releasing features faster than, than, than I can keep up with at least. What's kind of the most, when, when you see, you know, when you talk to a practitioner and, you know, you see it in their face, right? So when you show them something, what is that right now? That, the, that's something, I call it the aha moment, but, but it's something, especially in HR, where they see something and it's like, this is life-changing. Uh, there are a few of those, but I'll give you a couple that are uh, I personally love. So you're aware of our career site mm-hmm. where an individual, all they have to do is upload the resume and the system immediately tells them that here are the jobs that fit you best. Here's a strong fit, here's a good fit, and why? Explain everything. So essentially, anytime everybody's, anybody's touching your career site, you have your best recruiter doing a pitch to them in the best possible fashion. Right. Here are others like you from your college or another veteran like you, all that stuff. So that part is great. Then we have added now 
survey capability to gauge the candidate experience and measure it, right? So now it doesn't just say that, oh, this was cool. Now you actually write then when they apply, you can ask the question that, hey, how was this experience compared to the other times you went looking for a job? So the early results, uh, this has only been rolled out last couple of months on the candidate experience side. The score is coming out to be 4.54 across multiple, multiple customers on a right. scale of one to five. Oh, that's fantastic. Are you also either now or do you see it in the future plans to also do recruiter experience and hiring manager yep. experience as well? Right. Exactly. Because this thing can now be uh, inserted everywhere. Right. And so you'll, you'll do it with employee experience. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's all measurable and it's all because now you can even have these as the MBOs for your that's HR right. teams that raise it by X percentage of point because you can measure it now. I'm really interested when you'll, when you'll get into manager, uh, you know, that manager experience and also f to be able to, you know, cause this is three to 60 degree feedback, right? Yeah. If we can actually yeah. do this correctly, we can start to find out where bad managers are. Yeah. And then put them on a path, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying line them up against the wall or anything, but what if we <laughs> know <laughs> where they are, then we can, then we can treat it. We can fix it. You know, we can put them on a path to, uh, uh, but if we don't know where they are, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about when we were talking about competencies and skills that the C-suite might not know what they have. Well, same is true yeah. of bad managers. They, they know they have them. They just don't know exactly where they are. And I think that as you evolve uh, all of these surveys, and these ratings, you start, you're going to start to find out you know, you're shining lights in the corners. So you're going to start to find out where these bad managers are, which is good because that's the first part. You got to know where they are, then you can then treat that. Yeah, and the approach we are taking there is, uh, especially with our diversity dashboards, because mm -hmm. that one also ends up being very sensitive information. Right. Uh, simply to make it visible because whatever is inspected improves. Right. Right. People just need to know that now all of these actions and decisions are actually trackable. And then if you're varying from the norm, uh, very easy to actually then identify. And that makes a big difference because uh, especially on DNI side, people do want to do the right thing. They just don't know how to. And uh, we're both solving the solution and giving them pass versus just lecturing. But the other part is, I think with all these areas that need improvement, it all needs to be in a positive reinforcement fashion versus being punitive. Right, of course. Yeah, and, and again, that's going to be individual and personalized, right? So yeah, some people yeah. need some of the more critical things and some people need more of the affirmative things. And, yeah. and we're all a little bit different there. When, when folks are, when practitioners are building a business case for Eightfold, yeah, are they, you know, price, quality, and speed are always kind of in the mix somewhere in their in the in the mindset or at least the framework of, of when they're building a business case. Do you find it easier to just land and expand and you know start with like, hey, you know, let's just solve one problem and then then we can go off to the races and fix all the other problems with throughout uh, throughout TA and HR? Or is it easier, have you found it easier to go in and and look at holistically the entire you know, TA and HR technology stack and figure out, okay, here's how we can make all, you know, it all better. 
Like, where is it right now? Where are you finding your best path? So with larger customers, it's mm-hmm. the second one where mm-hmm. they are starting to like uh, the single platform for all talent. Right. Now, the phases may actually be, let me start with talent management right. or career hub first. Right, right, right. And then I'll expand it to hiring. Yeah. Exactly. And now, uh, exciting part is, we now have several clients who now are using us both for full-time and for contractors. So the platform scope is already beyond the, that is now all of talent. So, and the second part is with AI, uh, that's what's different, right? It's not just selling seats on the landing expand. The platform, the AI platform works with data. The more data it's seeing from your system, from your company, the better and faster it gets, uh, the recommendations become specific to your business. Which I already know to be true, but your API strategy means that you can then interact with other systems that they already have and pull out data so that it just makes it, uh, that makes that case even stronger. Um, What are some of your favorite buying questions? Like when you've, when you've talked, you sit down with CHROs, you know, chief people officers and all this stuff. What do you love to hear from them? Uh, there are a couple. One is, how long will it take? <laughs> yeah, because that's traditionally been in 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 in, in months and years. <laughs> yeah, especially the last HRIS change took eighteen to twenty four months. Right? Oh yeah. So oh yeah, we won't name any names, but yes, exactly. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's one. In fact, uh, one interesting thing is today uh, for a client in Europe that's uh, in the final stages. So I was on at 2 a.m. on the call with them. Mm-hmm. And then it went well. All, everybody's ready. Now they're saying, okay, want to be live in September. They're like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we only have 700,000 employees in 120 <laughs> countries, and we need that to be in 80 languages. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Great. We'll flip a switch. But you know what's interesting is y'all are built for speed. Yeah. You've always been built for speed. So this plays to your strength. Uh, you know, in some ways. So when they ask you a question of how long does it take, they're 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 playing in your backyard at that point. Yeah, there, there's that. The other one that I really like is there's always uh, both curiosity and education needed on AI, how how algorithms work, mm-hmm. how it eliminates bias. So there, the questions yeah. have shifted from I don't think you know how to do it, or I don't believe anybody has solved it. Right. To now, okay. That makes sense. Can I talk to a, a client or two who has done this? Yeah. So now they just want the validation stamp also. Right. That right. I get it, makes sense. Uh, if others have also done it, then I should be now racing because I've now, I'm on solid footing. That helps because the, the categories evolved. The technology has obviously evolved. You're on the forefront of bringing some of this stuff to market. And so... You know, the buyers are a little bit more aware of what their peers are doing and how they're having success. So um, last question before we roll out, I, when I ran an ad agency, I had, when I, when I was in the sales process, I had three words that were indicators of this person is just not going to be a good fit. And they were uh, fast, easy, and cheap. And I never told anybody this. This was just keywords that I had in the back of my mind. If, if ever a prospect said fast, easy, or cheap, it was time for me to, you know, uh, pay the pay the bar tab and leave. Um, are there because you have hundreds of conversations with with folks? Is there anything that you know, well? 
you know they, they just don't they're not ready maybe that's a better way of thinking about it they're just not ready they're they're three years ago they 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 were reluctant or maybe skeptical or fearful uh and you're talking to them now and it's just you can tell by the line of questioning yeah they're not ready and we're going to be pushing a boulder uphill with this the whole time is it is there any, if it's not keywords, is there any phrases or any tells that you kind of look for? I think uh, there are two, three. Mm. One is when the execs don't get involved. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> then I worry because if this uh-huh. is not important, yeah. if talent issue is not prob- important for CHRO to actually pay attention halfway through the process. Right. Uh, that's a clear sign that this organization has other issues besides uh, not having the right technology. And you're not going to be able to fix that. Yeah, because if this is, you know, so that's one. Uh, Because look, the talent transformation or a single platform for talent acquisition, talent management, and now for uh, contingent workforce, that is not going into any organization without the top knowing and endorsing that strategy. Right, right. So if they're not involved, that's a problem. Second one is if there is no compelling event that we'll get there when we get there, that's always a problem because that means we'll be, they'll be kicking tires and we'll be playing the go fetch. That's right. Uh, that's right. For a long time. That's right. And, but if they have the compelling event, then everything is doable. And I think the last part is uh, people do talk about uh, pilots and proof of concepts but those are now less of an issue because one, we have so many customers live that right. the proof in the pudding is now evident everywhere. Yeah. You don't so, have to prove yeah. that it works. You, yeah. you went through that phase and exactly. you don't have to go through that phase anymore, but also it's an indicator. It's a buying indicator, right? If somebody's like, yeah. well, I'd like to pilot this with, you know, my office in Detroit. It's like, well, yep. then, then you're not taking this seriously enough. Yeah. And I love your comment about executives, the C-suite, uh, the board, you know, if talent isn't important and, it, and it's, you know, it's financially, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an expenditure. If it's not important enough to get involved, they're, they're sending you a signal. Yep. I love that. Well, brother, I could talk to you forever. Uh, and you know <laughs> that, but you've got a job to do. And uh, so I'm going to get you on to your next thing. Thank you so much for coming on the use case podcast. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks for everyone for listening. Until next time on the Use Case Podcast. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.